0: Welcome to Fairytale Fandango. I'm Jennifer Mori, And I'm Stacy Smith. I'm going to read a story from an old book of fairy tales and folktales. And I'm gonna add colorful peanut gallery commentary. I'm reading directly from the source material, which can get pretty bonkers at times. I am not altering the text for the purposes of humor. Trust me, I'm not talented enough. But if you don't believe me, you're welcome to read the sources for yourself. I've listed them in the show notes. I think you're that talented. Why thank you, I appreciate you. Let's begin.
1: Buckle up, kids.
0: So today's story covers a topic you're actually interested in, Stacy. Oh? So I'm going to be reading from the Prose Edda which is an old Norse literary work written or compiled in Iceland by Snorri Sturluson in about 1220 AD. What right? was that name
1: again? One more time for me.
0: Snorri Sturluson. Okay,
1: I just want to make sure I heard I think, you correctly.
0: <laughs> I don't know. How's it spelled? Uh, With uh, several R's and a couple S's. Oh, it's... yeah.
1: That's a that's a lot of consonants. Um
0: It's Icelandic. Who knows? Uh, And it remained almost unknown out of Iceland until about 1665 with the publication of the Edda Islandorum, which was more norse stories okay it is the fullest and most detailed source of norse mythology that uh we know about and there's seven manuscripts in total that have survived six from the medieval period and one from the 17th century none of the manuscripts is complete and each has variations right so they're copies of copies of copies okay so this is as close as we get to the full story close as we're going to get to the
1: the original
0: yeah because the the original originals have been lost to time because that's what happens when you write things on paper and then 800 years later you want them to be around but paper degrades and on top of that
1: weren't these usually stories told by a campfire to one another and then eventually somebody decided
0: we're gonna put it on paper i mean i'm sure it's stories that have been told through the oral tradition over time mm-hmm. finally they were compiled into manuscripts. I mean, that's the same with the Greek stories about the gods and the Roman stories about the gods. Like they weren't necessarily all writing this stuff down. Right, right. But today's topic is from the gilfane gilfagening <laughs> One more time? What? Gilfagening. <laughs> that's what I thought. Which is the tricking of Gilfi where today which includes which is about the Aesir, the Aesir, the uh, the gods of like like A-seer? Odin, Aesir, yeah, Aesir, yeah. Is
1: it a seer? I've always pronounced it Aesir. So I, know I don't. I don't actually know.
0: It there's an A E in it, so I'm going to say Aesir. Aesir, okay. That's that's what I'm saying.
1: I don't. Know, I just see these things occasionally, like in fan fiction or in a book once in a while, and I'm just like, I'm going to pronounce that away in my head, and then somebody will make fun of me for it later when I eventually sound it out to other adults. <laughs>
0: I mean, y'all can make fun of me if you want about saying Aesir. Aesir?
1: <laughs> Aesir? I don't know.
0: I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Which is basically the uh, the Aesir tricking this king of Sweden, King Gilfi And these specific to- stories are Loki ah. and Loki's monstrous children. Ah, Loki. I, well, okay. So I should probably preface. I, I
1: don't, I never gave a damn about Norse mythology, really, until... The the uh the Thor movies yeah the Thor <laughs> movies and Marvel which are totally based in real <laughs> which are totally based in reality and Tom Hiddleston came into the picture and made me question everything about my sexuality which is extremely rude of him. <laughs> I'm not okay with it. Like, I guess I don't Yeah, that doesn't speak to you. I know <laughs> that doesn't it doesn't speak to me. Tom Hiddleston could get it. Not that he would ever slum it with me, but he could get it, and I'm sure there's many a woman out there that would agree with me. Not all of them are lesbians like I am, but you know, it's still he could get it.
0: <laughs> so and some of you are probably thinking, oh, Loki, cool. Here's the thing about Loki. Loki's specific origins and role have been the subject of debate. For a long time. Because no one can really nail down who Loki is or what Loki is, right? I would nail
1: him down. What's up?
0: <laughs> What's up? <laughs> so in the 19th century, there was an idea that Loki is a god of fire. And that was brought up by Jacob Grimm, who you know from the Grimm's fairy tales. Oh, okay. There was also the idea that Loki is a variant of Lucifer or Satan, which was brought up by Sophus bug and that was when because at this point in the medieval period so when when the poetic edda and the prose edda were written there was no christianity in iceland and scandinavia hadn't made it there yet it got there a little later so the idea came along that loki is actually satan and odin is more god right since odin is kind of a father but not really to loki I could see that. He's he's at odds with his father. It's I could see that and, being And put- he's the one that, that and Loki fights against the Aesir heaven during Ragnarok, right? He's on the other side. Oh, okay. So, that's that, that's one idea. During the 20th century, there was Loki as a hypostasis of Odin, which is basically the opposite of Odin, the other the other half of Odin. That was from Folke Strom. There's also Loki as a trickster from Jan de Vries. Which is the most popular interpretation of Loki to this day is he's a trickster god. That's it, how I've always. Yeah, that's I the mean, most. That's the most popular interpretation. Yeah, of Loki. that's how I've
1: always assumed it. It was. I didn't know there were multiple variations of it. So today I learned.
0: Well, there's also Loki as a literal spider, not a dude, but a spider. Anansi would like a word with you. Please. Yeah, An- Anansi has entered the chat. Yeah. That was from Anna Brigitta Ruth, and then my favorite, my favorite theory about. Loki comes from Anne Holtzmark, which is no conclusion can be made about Loki.
1: (laughs) She just didn't want to put in the work, I guess. She's like,
0: no, you're all wrong. I don't know who's right,
1: but you're all wrong. I've got one more page of this essay I got to finish. So here's my conclusion. There ain't no conclusion.
0: (laughs) So here's what we do know about Loki from the prose and the poetic Edda he is a shapeshifter, he's kind of a dick. And he is the cause of earthquakes as a result of his punishment from the gods. Basically, he's been chained to a rock. See, Prometheus has insert the chat now.
1: So you say we're pulling from a lot of other uh, cultures. Interesting. Yeah, so like, as we start to move away from that, from that central Mesopotamian era, area, not era, central Mesopotamia, Mesopotamian area, and kind of spreading out to the north, and we're taking our... Mythologies with us, they're just changing a little as we move.
0: Yeah. I mean, and if you learn anything about folklore, it's basically people telling stories, and people have always traveled within other communities, so if you're like, oh, this story originates here, it's like, well, maybe. You never really know, because before we were writing stuff down, we were still talking shit to each other. <laughs> it was before we had Netflix. We had to do something. Anyway, a little more about the Edda It comes in four parts. The prologue, the Gilfegn... The gilfagening, which is the tricking of gilfi which we already <laughs> talked about. The skaldskaparmal, which is the language of poetry. That is very poetic.
1: <laughs> one more time? That is very poetic.
0: Skaldskaparmal.
1: Well done. I'm not even... I see it on the screen. I'm not even going to try.
0: And the hatalal. <laughs> also which is, not going to try that one. Which is the list of verse forms. And you know, like anybody who's listening to this who's from Iceland or Scandinavia or anywhere is just like... Uh, no, it's actually pronounced... You know, listen, this is not one of the languages I studied. <laughs> Record
1: yourself and send it to us. That way we can hear proper native tongue. And then we can either try to play it later or we can try to pronounce it correctly the next time we discuss it. Or, you know, you make
0: fun of us. Yeah, because we're going to... I'm going to read from the poetic edit and the pros edda in the future. So let me know. But we are native Arizonans whose
1: accent is very flat. So, if there's any kind of uh, or uh,
0: kind of Yeah, if there's accent, any tonalities, yeah. yeah,
1: that's that's a little harder. The, that sort of thing is lost on us.
0: Listen, I can speak another language, but scant anything Scandinavian is not it.
1: And as we've established, I barely speak English, so you're not going to get much from me.
0: So the poetic etta or excuse me, the prose etta was written by or it was compiled by Snorri Sturluson, who is an Icelandic historian, author, poet, politician, law speaker. He also wrote the, Hem- the Heimskringla, which is a history of Norwegian kings.
1: This is just... Are you just a... Uh, um, uh, what do you call it? A sadist? Or a, not a sadist. A <laughs> masochist. <laughs> are you just a masochist right now for, for tough words and you just can't help yourself? I just
0: like twisting my tongue around right now, I guess, is how I'm going to just do it. It's
1: just self-abuse in, in its finest. <laughs>
0: But he was assassinated on September 23rd, 1241 by men claiming to be agents of the King of Norway due to, obviously, political reasons. And according to Wikipedia, quote, this act was not popular in Iceland or Norway. Hmm. He, was, he, was a, he was a popular dude. But the translation I have today is by Jesse Bylock, Dr. Jesse Bylock, who is a professor of Old Norse and Medieval Scandinavian Studies at UCLA and also a professor at UCLA's Cotsen Institute of Archaeology, and he specializes in North Atlantic and Viking studies. So if anybody's going to translate the prose edda, it's going to be this dude. Also counted among the Aesir is one whom some call slanderer of the gods, the source of deceit and the disgrace of all gods and men. Named Loki, or Lopt, he is the son of the giant Farbati, His mother is named Laufi or Nal, and his brothers are Bailiest and Helblindi. Oh,
1: God. I'm glad you're reading this and I'm not trying this, because the only one I would even attempt is Loki. (laughs) Loki is pleasing, even
0: beautiful to look at. Yes, he is. But his nature is evil, and he is undependable. I mean, I'm not not in it to have a relationship, I (laughs)
1: mean... I'm in it to tell a story. <laughs>
0: I'm in here for a Friday night. What?
1: Yeah, I'm just here to tell a story. That's all. I'm not I'm not looking for a for a
0: settle down and marry me type. Like that's not who that's not why you hook up with Loki. More than others, he has the kind of wisdom known as cunning and is treacherous in all matters. He constantly places the gods in difficulties and often solves their problems with guile. His wife is Sigin and their son is Nari or Narfi.
1: Now, today I learned he was married. Never knew that.
0: But Loki had other children. With Anger... With <laughs> <laughs> Angerboda.
1: That's how I'd pronounce it. I don't know if Angerboda,
0: sorrow bringer, an ogress who lived in giant land. Loki had three children. One was the Fenris wolf. The second was the Midgard serpent. And the third was hell. When the gods... With dis- one L. With one with L. One L mm-hmm. Just one L. When the gods discovered that these three siblings were being brought up in giant land, they learned through prophecies that misfortune and evil were to be expected from these children. All of the gods became aware that harm was on the way, first because of the mother's nature, but even more so because of the father's. So this is like the
1: the neighborhood watch has gotten together and they're like, oh, this family's going to be trouble. Here goes the neighborhood. Here goes the neighborhood. Because Loki and his wife are moving in, apparently. Well, no, it's
0: not his wife. It's the chick he had three kids with. Oh, so it's his... He's the baby daddy. Oh! He's the baby daddy of these three monsters. Oh, I see. Okay. So he's not even a faithful
1: husband. Okay, yeah.
0: Well, maybe he was. Maybe he had these kids before he met Sigin and they had Narfi. Also possible. I mean, sometimes you gotta sew your wild oats a little bit. A little bit. But you should always put a ring on it. Or at least make a commitment before you have kids. Really? You believe that? I think children should grow up in a stable environment.
1: Wow. This is actually a recording of me learning something new about you. You actually think that?
0: Yeah, like I'm not saying they have to have two parents or like they have to be like a man and a wife and they have to be married. But like give them a stable environment at least, you oh, okay. know? Like uh, so just a stable environment. They don't necessarily have to be married. No, they don't have to be married, but like or like even necessarily in a committed relationship. Okay, okay. I but like, give them a stable environment. Like, if you're going to be around, don't suddenly disappear for two years to go do something. Like... That's fair. Like, stay around. Today I learned about you. <laughs> then father sent the gods to seize the children and bring them to him. When they appeared before him, he threw the serpent into the deep sea that surrounds all lands. That's cruel. The kids didn't do anything yet. Well, now he's a sea serpent. I guess he's <laughs> maybe
1: he digs the sea. <laughs> he's, he's just like I think you I think you'll be happier here. And just hucks him. I assume I assume yeets him into the ocean. Because as we've as we've established, yeet is for power. Kobe is for accuracy. <laughs> May he rest in peace.
0: But the serpent grew so large that now out in the middle of the ocean it lies coiled around all lands, biting its tail. That doesn't sound happy. You just made this b- <laughs> this
1: big this big uh, uh what do you call it. This big to-do about, uh... It's probably happy in the ocean, but it's biting its own ass. Well, I hadn't
0: read that far. (laughs) (laughs) He's He's a sea serpent now. Hell he threw down into Nilfheim and made her ruler over nine worlds. She has the power to dole out lodgings and provisions to those who are sent to her, and they are the people who have died of disease or old age. So basically, she's a goddess of the underworld. Okay. She has there an enormous dwelling with walls of immense height and huge gates. Her hall is called El Junir. <laughs> You really? Her hall is called El Junir, sprayed with snowstorms.
1: That's what it means? That's the translation? It's Suppo- with... uh, apparently. It's in
0: brackets, so I assume that's the translation. I assume that's the translation. Her dish is hunger. Her knife is famine. Her slave is lazy. Well, that's not very nice. <laughs> And slothful is her woman's servant. The threshold over which people enter is a pitfall called fallen, fallen the forehead.
1: In today's episode, Jen mispronounced a bunch of words. None of us know. None of us know how to pronounce these words. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, if there's more
0: than like five syllables and like three and three uh, I think I've consonants one- in one row, like...
1: I think I've seen one vowel (laughs) since we started this
0: paragraph. Fall in the forehead, which is falling to peril. Her bed is named Cor. Sickbed. Yes. Thank God. Cor, my man. And her bed curtains are named... Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And her bed curtains are named Jandabol. You actually
1: handled that one well, in my opinion.
0: Gleaming Disaster. (laughs) That's... Yeah, that's how I'm starting to feel right now. I'll be 100% honest. That sounds like the color
1: like a color of nail polish, gleaming disaster. I would wear the shit
0: out of that right? nail polish. Right?
1: I think that's I think that needs to be a nail polish color. OPI,
0: get on that. Yeah. <laughs> she is half black and half a lighter flesh color and is easily recognized. Mostly she is gloomy and cruel. I mean, that was me in high school. She ain't special. <laughs>
1: I was going to say, are they talking literally like she was of African or Moorish descent? Or are they talking black the color black?
0: I think she, I, I imagine like a line down the center and half of her is like jet black and the other half is like white. Bitchin'. I don't know though. Bitchin'. The Aesir raised the wolf at home, but only Tear had the courage to approach it and feed it. But the gods saw how much the wolf grew every day and knew that all the prophecies foretold that it was destined to harm them. Then the Aesir devised a plan to make an especially strong fetter. They named it Lading and brought it to the wolf, inviting him to test his strength against it. As it seemed to the wolf that this test would not require much strength, he let them do as they wished. The first time the wolf stretched the muscles of his legs, the fetter broke. Thus he freed himself from Lading. What is Lading?
1: Is it like a harness? Is it...
0: It's a fetter.
1: I don't know what a fet- I'm going to Google it. <laughs> While you're taking your sip of water, your much-needed earned break, after mispronouncing a bunch of shit, a chain or manacle used to restrain a prisoner typically placed
0: around the ankles. Fetter. Fetter. It's the word of the day. Next, the gods made a second fetter. Twice as strong, it was called dromi. Again, they asked the wolf to test the fetter, telling him that he would become renowned for his strength if such magnificent foraging was unable to hold him. The wolf thought to himself that even though the fetter was very strong, his strength had grown even more since he had broken lading. He also recognized that, to become renowned, he would have to place himself in danger, and so he let them put the fetter on him. When the Aesir were ready, the wolf started to twist and beat the fetter against the ground. He struggled with all his might, and using his legs, he snapped the fetter with such force that the pieces flew into the distance. Thus, he escaped from Dromi. Since then, there has been an expression, when a task is extremely difficult, that one frees oneself from lading or breaks out from Dromi. I don't know
1: when I'm going to use that phrase at work, but I will, because it's bitchin'. (laughs)
0: After this happened, the gods began to fear that they would not succeed in binding the wolf. So, Allfather sent Skirnir, Bright One, Frey's messenger, down to Svartalheim, world of the dark elves, and there he had some dwarves make the fetter called Glepnir. It was constructed from six elements: the noise of a cat's footsteps, so nothing; the beard of a woman; the roots of a mountain; the sinews of a bear; the breath of a fish. And the spittle of a bird.
1: Uh, I feel like these are all metaphorical. Go on. That's fine. I don't I don't have any. I
0: mean questions. that's witchcraft. Like it's, pro- yeah, that's it's witchcraft. probably like daisies and like <laughs> daffodils and shit. <laughs> like,
1: Little the... I have newton there.
0: <laughs> Noise of a cat's footsteps. That's just a bitch.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that ain't special. You can get that in any spice store. <laughs> Though previously you had no knowledge of these matters, you now can see quickly the proof that you were not deluded. You must have noticed that a woman has no beard.
1: Um, excuse me, my, uh, 19 chin hairs that keep coming back <laughs> that I have to tweeze once a, once a week would like a discussion with you. I know,
0: like, women don't have beards. Excuse me, some of us are a little hairier than others. I don't need your medieval beauty standards trying to hold me back.
1: Some of us are much hairier than others. I say this as I need to currently get a uh, permit for uh, leg hair removal from the forest registry. Because it's been, I don't, it's, it's been, it's been wintertime. I've been wearing pants. Nobody's seen me.
0: Whereas I haven't shaved my thighs since February Before of this quarantine. year. Before quarantine. Before <laughs> quarantine of 2020. And it's still smooth as a baby's butt. Well, oh, aren't you just so fucking special. <laughs> a cat's movement makes no loud noise, and mountains have no roots. Truly, I say, all you have been told is equally reliable, even though you have no way to test some things. Then Gangleri said, I can certainly understand the truth of what you say. I accept the examples you have used. But what did the fetter look like when it was completed?
1: Okay. Oh, hold on. Who
0: who who does bitch talking now? What? I told you they're having a conversation. The Aesir are having a conversation with King Gilfie. Oh, that's what's happening. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, I'm just not I don't So you're supposed to read this technically from the beginning and I'm just jumping into the middle of the story. Oh, I see. Okay. I was like,
1: "What is going, what is happening here?" I don't know. Who it is bitch? What is bitch? Don't jump in the middle. It's very confusing.
0: Hi answered. That I can easily tell you. The fetter was smooth and soft as a silk ribbon, yet it was reliable and strong, as you will now hear. When the fetter was brought to the Aesir, they heartily thanked the messenger for carrying out his errand. Then the gods traveled out onto a lake called Amsvatnir, pitch black, and sent for the wolf to accompany them. They went on an island named Lingvi, where they then showed the wolf the silky band offering to let him try to break it. They told him that despite its thinness, it was somewhat stronger than it appeared. Passing it amongst themselves, each tested the band's strength in his hands. No one could pull it apart. Nevertheless, they said that the wolf would be able to break it. Then the wolf answered, "'It seems to me that a ribbon like this one, "'which is so narrow a band, "'offers no renown even if I break it apart.' But if it is made with cunning and treachery, even though it looks unimpressive, then I will not permit this band to be put on my legs. So
1: the wolf's pretty smart.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's Loki's kid. He he ain't no fool. Okay. The Aesir replied that he would quickly snap such a narrow, silky band as he had already broken powerful iron fetters. But if you are unable to break free from this band, the gods will have no reason to fear you, and then we will free you. The wolf answered, If you were to bind me in such a way that I was unable to free myself, then you would betray and abandon me, and it would be a long time before I received any help from you. I am unwilling to allow that band to be put on me. Rather than questioning my courage, why not let one of you place his hand in my mouth as a pledge that there is no treachery in this offer? Hmm. The gods now looked at one another, realizing the seriousness of the problem they faced. No one was willing to hold out his hand until Tyr raised his right hand and laid it in the wolf's mouth. But when the wolf strained against the fetter, the band only hardened. And the more he struggled, the stronger the band became. They all laughed, except Tyr. He lost his hand.
1: <laughs> so as this wolf is struggling against these bonds, he snaps his mouth shut, I'm guessing? I mean, he's just... Probably well, like, that was grunting. That was the deal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Whoops. It was his right hand, too. I hope he wasn't right hand dominant. You could say that he gave him a hand. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's gonna have a lot of lonely nights with the stranger now. <laughs> oh. That's gross. <laughs> when the Aesir saw the wolf was truly bound, they took the part that hung loose from the fetter. It was called... Le- mm, good luck with that one. <laughs> it was called Gelja. And they threaded the end of it through a huge stone called Gol. They fastened the stone deep down in the earth. Then they took an enormous rock called Viti and drove it even further down into the earth, using it as an anchor post. As the wolf struggled, he opened his mouth. He gaped horribly, trying to bite them. But they slipped a sword into his mouth. The hilt stuck in his lower gums and the blade in the upper gums, wedging his jaw open. Oh, poor guy. As he growled menacingly, saliva drooled from his mouth, forming the river called Vaan, or Hope. There he remains until Ragnarok.
1: Poor wolf. He didn't deserve that. What exactly did the wolf do to, to, to have any of this happen to him? He's Nothing. A, he's a
0: monster. He didn't deserve that. He, he's a monster. He still didn't deserve it. Probably not, but he, he's the son of Loki and a monster. And it also makes me wonder... Also maybe... that whole like tradition of, well, according to the prophecy... They're going to be the downfall of us. So we got to make sure the prophecy doesn't fall into place. So let's abuse them
1: and give them a reason to hate us rather than offering them a loving, supporting, cherishing environment where they wouldn't turn against us. Come on. This
0: is little league shit. Then Gangleri said, what gruesome children Loki sired. All these brothers and sisters are in themselves fearsome. But why didn't the Aesir kill the wolf since they could expect only destruction from him? High answered, the gods hold their sacred places and sanctuaries in such respect that they chose not to defile them with the wolf's blood, even though prophecies foretold that he would be the death of Odin. I
1: feel like the people, not the people, it'd be the Aesir in this case. Asir, Aesir? Whatever. Aesir? Aesir.
0: Acer, like the uh, laptop? Oh man, those shitty laptops. (laughs) Well, I guess we're not getting sponsored by Acer. (laughs) (laughs) I have owned two Acer laptops that I bought from Best Buy and both were trash.
1: They did eventually shit the bed, it's true. I just think it's poor planning on the part of the Acer. Like, I don't... You could... You could have just been nice to everybody. Like, I feel... I feel like you're just setting yourself up for failure. You know what
0: I mean? Like,
1: you're asking for trouble when you treat people that way. Or in this case, wolves that way.
0: Oh, I agree. There's always been that idea that there's a prophecy that X child is going to destroy me. So what I'm going to do is try to destroy this child and therefore the prophecy won't come through. But like, do you guys understand how prophecy works? It's gonna come true, especially the harder you fight against it.
1: That's a lot of, that's a lot of stories out there. I'm thinking, the first one that came to mind was Harry Potter.
0: Oh yeah, like Harry Potter, Oedipus.
1: Oh yeah, Oedipus for sure.
0: I mean, that's one of the most famous well-known ones. I don't want to bang my mom, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave.
1: Or just, does he get kicked out? I can't remember. No, he, what, what are you talking about? He he either leaves of his own accord or they kick him out, I can't remember which.
0: Oh the king Oedipus? No, he gouges out his eyes and he leaves of his own accord.
1: No, no, no. Before that when he's a child. Like the prophecy oh, when no, he's the a pro- child. Oh no. Okay,
0: so so with Oedipus. So basically the Oedipus's dad is the king and his mom is Jocasta the queen. Right, right, right. The oracle says, "Oh king, your son will kill you." And that will be bad. So the king says... King kicks him out. So the king takes the infant Oedipus, bounds his feet together, which is where the name comes from, with a bar between them and leaves him for dead out in the woods outside of the city. This farming couple comes across this baby and they're like, oh, there's this weird baby just sitting out here with this bar in his feet. Let's name him Oedipus and go take him back to our house. Does Oedipus mean something
1: foot-like? That's like naming your kid Nike.
0: Yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, Except it's- Nike
1: means victory and, uh, you know.
0: Yeah, so he's named for the for the grotesque nature of his feet that were ruined by his dad. So then, like, 15, 20 years later, his dad is walking down the street and he's an asshole to Oedipus. And Oedipus doesn't know who he is, so Oedipus kills him and goes to the city. He finds out, oh, that dude you killed on the street... Uh, on the road outside town, was actually the king. So now you're king now. Oh, by the way, here's your wife. Her name is Jocasta. And they have several kids together. But I think, but Jocasta knows the entire time because then he goes to the oracle of... Wait, what... wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. So Jocasta knew the whole time and she went ahead and let him get
0: it in? Like, that's gross. Well, she maybe did, but she maybe didn't. But she was aware of the prophecy. Right. She knew who Oedipus was. Yeah. She's the queen. What's she going to do, fight back? Yeah, you're the queen. Not in ancient Greece, or not? Women had a women had a rights in ancient Greece. Not really. Yeah, they did. Not, not, not as much as you think. Not as much as like <laughs> we have now, obviously. But they still had a rights. But you were the. But anyway, she has. They have. They have children together, and then Oedipus finds out in the climax that Jocasta's his mom, and his kids are his bro, are essentially his siblings. And she's like, "Oedipus, Oedipus, poor Oedipus, that is all you are, and that is all I will ever call you." And he gouges out his eyes and goes running off into the desert. And his daughter, and his daughter whose name escapes me right now, his but daughter a, his daughter's sister, his daughter, sister, about whom there is another play, basically goes off with him until he dies.
1: And has kids with him too. No, no God, no, no,
0: <laughs> no. This isn't the Egyptian royal family. <laughs> <laughs> They try to branch this tree a little bit. (laughs) A little bit, rather than
1: just a mighty oak with no branches whatsoever.
0: But anyway, what is this story about? What's the point of this story? So unlike the other stories we've touched on, where there's actually, like, clearly a theme or a message, this is... This is mythology so this is just trying to avoid
1: disaster that's all i take from this
0: yeah so what they're trying to do is try to prevent loki's children from overpowering them and the ruling class
1: taking advantage of those who are beneath them that's what it's about
0: <laughs> oh now we're getting some marxism isn't i know i'm like yeah, hmm. yeah. <laughs> oh i'm down but that does bring up a good point so the ruling class the aesir are like oh we see these people that will probably be our downfall. So we're going to do what we can to strike them down. Once again, screwing up when you could just ally yourselves with the people and
1: offer them better health (laughs) care, you know, livable wages... Maybe reform the police system. I don't know. <laughs> am I to, am I looking too deep into this? Hmm.
0: yeah, but instead they basically make enemies of these people not realizing that they're just gonna go off somewhere and gain more power. Come come Ragnarok.
1: All you do when you, when you oppress a people or when you cut or you cut them down, especially when they're already beneath you, is just create more enemies.
0: Yeah. so they're not making any friends, especially with the wolf. Who, once he's set free, is gonna wreck all your shit. Kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Like we were discussing earlier. That's the whole thing about prophecy though, isn't it? That you try so hard to fight against it, and the harder you fight against it, the more it's gonna come true. So basically, you kind of need to just accept the fate that's coming, or ball up and actually kill the wolf if he's such a danger to you. I'm personally of I mean you could do, you could do that you could kill the wolf but
1: like I'm personally of the opinion if you see something bad coming what can we do to mitigate this that doesn't involve hurting other people but that's me I'm a humanist that's my goal w- I'm taking, that from, I'm taking that from a clearly humanist perspective where it's like, hey, can't help but notice this is going to be a problem in the future. Why don't we do some things to fix it before it becomes a problem? Or if it does become a problem, it's a much smaller problem we can handle at the time.
0: Yeah. Kind of like the rich men in their in their dragon dens wondering, why are all the lower classes so angry? And what's with all those pitchforks? Like...
1: I'm going to take my $600 and make a guillotine. Let's do it. Actually, it might be 2000 We don't know. Oh, well, goody. Let's see. So we've made... We're going to end up on a watch list because of this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Defund the police. <laughs> but yeah. So North, Norse mythology is is a bit of a trip. It's not something I've done too much looking into. Because I'll be 100% honest. Norse mythology wasn't something that really was on my radar until about a couple years ago. With the publication of North, Norse mythology by Neil Gaiman. That
1: was we went to a reading with him, and that was genuinely excellent. Yeah,
0: I'm like, oh, these stories are actually pretty cool. Let me go read some more, and then I went down this weird rabbit hole of the prose etta and the poetic etta, and here we are today. Meanwhile, oh, I'm
1: sorry, I was busy. T- I was busy googling Tom Hiddleston as Loki. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> with his cunning and that chiseled jawline and those cheekbones that could cut glass. I guess he's so handsome.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Fairytale Fandango. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating wherever fine podcasts are sold. You can also find us on the internet at www.fairytalefandango.com, on Tumblr at fairytalefandango, all one word, and on Twitter at fairyfanpod. You can also find me, Jennifer Mori, on Tumblr at faironeforest, and on Twitter by the same handle. You can find Stacy Smith wherever fine wines are sold. And remember, the real fetters were the friends we made along the way.